As I look around the room this morning, I know the majority of us are singing that song. But I wonder how many of us really grasp what we're saying. What it means to be holy, set apart, inviting the refiner's fire to come. God bless you. You can take a seat, church. This morning, I'm just going to move right into the message. I have the privilege this morning. Can I get a little bit monitor so I don't feel like I'm in a box? Privilege of sharing the word with you this morning, and uh, Pastor Paul's away on vacation, and uh, when he asked me if I would share this morning, I was super excited. <laughs> and I look down, and I see Pastor Peter Jowdry sitting here, and Pastor Luke Anderson sitting over here, and how many more pastors are sitting here this morning? Are you, a, if you're a pastor, just put up your hand. Pastor Ben, brother right here, yeah, at least half a dozen pastors, that's good, keep me on my game. Welcome, by the way, Luke, Bree, good to see you guys here this morning. Yeah, Luke and Bree used to be our youth pastors. Pastor Paul's actually gone to Grandma and Ann, I think, so you guys came here. I see how it works. But seriously, when I, when I do preach, and that's very rarely, but when I do, the hardest part about it is not standing up in front of you and talking, and that's, that comes easy. But the weight of sharing what you feel that God really wants you to share, it's, for me anyways, and maybe I don't do it enough, but I just feel the weight of that so heavy. And uh, when, he, when he asked me if I would speak, I was just getting ready to go on vacation myself, and this, this song, Refiner's Fire, just kind of dropped in my heart. And I was like, really, God? That's such a music pastor thing to do. You know, take a course and speak about it. Or... So anyways, I just talked it away. I went on vacation. And um, when I came back just this week now and started to dig into to what this song really means and the lyric of it, and I just I was like, okay, God, wow. Now I understand why you dropped that in my heart. And you know what? It's probably more for me than it is for you this morning, but I have the mic, so you get the privilege of hearing what God's saying to me, and I trust that through it, you'll be inspired, maybe enlightened a little bit. But uh, I really want to just dig into this, this lyric for a little bit, and you're going to get out early, so thank God for that. <laughs> well, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to uh, direct our talk this morning. Father, we thank you. We don't need to invite you to come into this house. You're already here. But Lord, today I stand and I ask that you would just captivate my heart, my thoughts, my mind, my lips. Lord, that it would be a mouthpiece for you today. And that your people would be stirred, would be encouraged, would be motivated maybe just a little more to draw closer to you. To really understand who we are in you. And so Father, we give this time to you. Maybe you, may you be glorified in it. Amen. Amen. So this is just a simple song Brian Dorkson uh, wrote in 2008, and uh, we've been singing it for years. The verse begins with, purify my heart, let me be as gold and precious silver. And then the first line, refiner's fire. As I looked into what the process of refining was, I knew right then, I was like, okay, God, now I get it. Now I know why you just kind of dropped that in my heart, because it just, I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. What is refiner's fire? And I went to Malachi. The scriptures are going to be on the screen, I think. Apologize for the, the line in our brand new screen. 
Maybe some of you didn't even see that. I see it every time I look up there. But we're going to let that go and let God be God. Malachi, chapter 3, verse 2 says, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who trust or thrust aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. In verse 2, it says he's like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Or you could put dove soap in there if you want. But, but it doesn't say he's like a forest fire, right? It doesn't say he's like an incinerator's fire, but a refiner's fire. You think about a forest fire, and we look at, it's crazy right now what's going on in B.C., right? Two years ago, it was, it was Alberta. Fort McMurray is actually quite close to us. A lot of our family are there, and we went back and looked at the aftermath of, of that forest fire, and it was crazy. Deborah Lee actually had an uncle who had a very nice house, a beautiful property. And the forest fire came and burnt his house, like, to the ground. He didn't have a pair of boots left after to wear. Took his house out, and literally right here to the left and right here to the right, those two houses were not touched, still standing. I'm like, wow, that's, it, was, it was just crazy. But that's the way forest fires... They burn, out of, you know, they burn where they want, when they want, and out of control. And incinerator's fire just kind of consumes everything. There's nothing left, just ashes. But verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you of sons of Jacob are not consumed. You're not destroyed. Aren't you glad this morning that God is like a refiner's fire? Not an incinerator, not a forest fire, but he purifies. And in the process of refining the gold or the silver, whatever it is, melted down, right? The impurities, I don't know if you know how that works, but the fire is so hot that it, it burns the impurities and then there's nothing left but the pure gold or the pure silver. And God is like that. He refines us, takes away the junk, leaves the good stuff. It does say he's like fire, though. And even as kids, we were told not to play with fire. I don't know about you, but I played with fire. <laughs> Jamie Mills... I bet you played with fire. <laughs> but it does warn us, right, that God is like fire. Fire can be dangerous. And when it comes to holiness and our relationship with God and seeking purity, and it's not something we've got to take lightly, but there ought to be a little bit of fear, a little bit of trembling when we step into that process of becoming pure. The passion for purity should never be flippant. God is like fire, and fire is serious. And you know what? You don't fool around with it. And too often we fool around with our relationship with God. It's flippant sometimes, and it shouldn't be. Thank God that he's like that refiner's fire. And therefore, when we look at this verse, it's not just merely uh, a warning, but there's a tremendous hope in there. Church, the furnace of affliction in the family of God is always for refinement. It's never to destroy us. So be encouraged this morning. If you're going through a fire... You will not be consumed. 
if you hold on to God and you trust him. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire, and he let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest, as to, not, or as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot, and she thought again about the verse that we just read. He sits as a refiner and purifier. That word sit stood out. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time. The silver was being refined, and he answered that, yes, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eye on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was left for a moment too long, the flames would be destroyed, or it would, the flames would destroy it. And the woman was, was kind of silent for a moment. She asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined. And he smiled at her and answered, that's easy. When I see my image in it, I know then it's pure. I thought, wow. Think about that in our parallel with our relationship with God. You're walking through a fire. He holds you. He not only holds you, but he's there. He watches you intently. He sees you every moment. And he will not let you be consumed. And the purpose is to purify you so that you can reflect the image of who he is. And he may have to hold you there for a while, because you know what? Some of us got some more purities than others. But he will take you through it. So be encouraged. If you feel like God's holding you there, don't forget, like the silversmith, he's not just holding you there, but his eyes are on you. And isn't that what we're supposed to do is reflect the image of Christ? Isn't that what we're supposed to do day in and day out is deny self and ask God to, you know, show me more of you so that I can live a life that reflects who you are. Church, God uses the heat of life to purify us into a pure picture of him. The struggles of life, they can refine us into his image. The challenges of life, they can apply heat to pride and to selfishness, to bad attitudes, and it's his desire to refine us. But you know what? It's our choice whether we let that refinement happen or not. And that's where the second phrase of this song kind of comes into play. It says, my heart's one desire. I want you to think for a minute. What's the one main desire of your heart? Just what's the first thing that pops in your head? I'm not going to ask you to say it out, but. Oh, see, you weren't supposed to say that. You just ruined it. We've got one in the church. No. But if we're honest this morning, to be holy and to be like Jesus is probably not the first thing that when you say, what does my heart desire? Oh, I desire this, I desire that, I desire to have more money or whatever it may be. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but as Christians, sometimes we let other things get in the way, right? Maybe you're sitting here today and holiness is the last thing that will cross your mind. Maybe your relationship with Christ isn't even on your radar, Maybe what we are sitting and going through this morning feels totally foreign and maybe almost weird to you. But yet there's something there that says maybe this is real. And you know what? Today could be and it should be the day that you make the decision to give your heart to Christ. Relationship with Christ makes all the difference in our lives because you know what? No matter whether we're a Christian or not a Christian, life's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. Cancer is going to come. 
And sometimes God doesn't choose to heal us and take us out of it. He walks us through it. But the difference between a believer and a non-believer is we've got the refiner who's holding us and he's watching us and he's bringing us through that. And so this morning, if you're here without Christ, don't leave the way you came. Let's look at the heart for a moment. Matthew 15 and 9. It says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And then we can go to Matthew 7, 20, and he adds just a few more awesome traits of the heart. All of those plus greed, malice, deceit, envy, pride, foolishness. And he says, all these things come from within and they defile a person. Isn't it crazy to think about the way God created us in the beginning, right? Adam, that was not his intent for all of that to be a part of us. God's perfect creation was so different than what we are today. And sometimes it's just like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get to that place where we become the perfect creation that God wanted us to be. We don't have to fight all this junk, temptations, and the dross of life. That day will come, but right now we're in the midst of the struggle. And in these passages, Jesus reveals the very springboard, right, of our wants. Our fleshy desires come from our innermost being. And sin does not just come about as a result of outside forces, but it's born from the hidden places in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our intentions, from the secret desires that only the mind can envision. The bottom line is, in our fallen state, the desires of our hearts do not come from God. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? A lot of people would say that humans are basically good, decent. I've said it myself. And that the circumstances of life are kind of what turn us into bad people, murderers, thieves. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Bible teaches that all men suffer from a common frailty, which is sin. The Apostle Paul calls it our sin nature. And the first time I heard this scripture, it was like a, a riddle or almost like a tongue twister. But Romans 7, 18 and 20 says... Stick with me. I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Fortunately, God doesn't abandon us in our struggles with sinful tendencies and hurtful desires. Instead, God provides us with grace and strength, the things that we need to resist and overcome sin when it comes and it crouches at the door of our hearts. And you know what? I, I've always, growing up, it's always like, well, we're sinful man. We're always going to sin. We're always going to... And then I heard one speaker preach on it and a few others. And then when Dan Moeller came, it was like a breath of fresh, fresh air that just, he was like, you know what? You can live this life sinless. You can live this life without sin. Like, that's so true. Hard? Yes. Possible? Absolutely. With Christ. Like, God, help me to be that kind of guy. Help me be that kind of man that walks sinless before you. Because it's not, salvation is not about just getting to heaven. It's about walking this life out in purity and being that reflection of who God is so that others can see who he is and be drawn to him. Psalm 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
But we just said the heart full, is full of deceit and full of, right? But we've got to look at the first part of that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. Because your desires then will become his. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And then he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. And it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing to me that God can put his own desires in our hearts. Because the heart without him is desperately wicked and deceitful, but he replaces the evil with good and sets our hearts on the path toward him, removing our own desires and replacing them with his. Of course, this only happens through salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, that's the first step. Then he begins to change you. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says he does this by putting his spirit into our hearts. Then our desires become his. Our wills seek to do his will. And our rebellion turns to joyous obedience. He will take, that's right. He will replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. The third line of this course says, Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy. So you sang that this morning. Did you really think about what you were saying? To be holy. Some believe holiness is uh, you have to you know, run away from the world. You need to be in the church all the time. You need to be praying all the time. You need to be on your knees or you need to walk around stoic and have no fun or whatever. And I'm like, if that's holiness, I don't want to be a part of that. I can't live that way. That's not me. But they're all unnatural, unattractive ideas that most of the world proclaims about holiness. The world ridicules holiness. Some people pity us as Christians, right? They look at us and artists. I was just in Nashville and it's crazy the amount of musicians that are down there and the majority of them are trying to make it and I bet you the majority of them probably started in a church but left the church but then the world looks at them and says well you know what if you had a stayed in the church you never would have made it you had to give your life to Christ well you would never become what you truly were supposed to be, become but holiness is looked down upon but we are to pity the world not in a way to say well well you know what we've we know more than you or we're better than you but to look at them and say you're lost and I know the way and to have a longing to reach them and to draw them. Holiness brings us to life. It refines every human ability. Holiness doesn't dampen our emotions. It elevates them. Those who respond to God's call are the most joyful people or should be the most joyful people I've ever met. And you think about somebody who's real close to God. You know they're close to God. You can look at their life and see the joy on their face. They don't walk around with their head down. They have a richer, more abundant experience to life. They love more deeply than most people can ever imagine. They enjoy life, all of it. Even in the midst of suffering, they're able to maintain a peace and a joy that's independent of the happenings and the circumstances around them. Holiness doesn't stifle us, church. It ought to set us free. Amen? The surest sign of holiness is not how often a person goes to church or how many hours they spend in prayer what books they've read, spiritual books, or even the number of good works they do. The sure sign of holiness is a crazy desire to become all God as He created us and intended us to be. An unwavering commitment to the will of God and an unquenchable love for lost, unholy people. As I was looking through some things online and uh, studying a little bit for this, I did come across an awesome video clip and we don't have the time to look at it this morning. I wish we did, but 
I just put the, the link there. If you want to write it down, I encourage you, it's 10 minutes of your day, just to go and listen to this, this Pastor John Piper. And he shows how abounding love, he talks about abounding love, how that parallels with being holy. And we look at God as being love. God is love, right? God is holy. So therefore, love and holiness, just the parallel that he draws, it was, it was amazing. And I thought, wow, that's, you need to look at it. So if you have a minute, just, just check that out. Living a holy life means letting our decisions be guided by the Holy Spirit, allowing each moment to be all it can be. Holiness is living with the goal of Christian life in mind. It's surrendering to the will of God, and at the same time, it's grasping each moment and making it all it can be. Sometimes holiness means indulging ourselves. Sometimes holiness means pulling back and renouncing yourself. But each event in your life, good or bad, is an opportunity to change, to grow and to become a better version of yourself. And that grasping of each moment is holiness. Holiness is allowing God to fill every corner of your, your being. That's when we truly become the best version of ourselves. Holiness is being set apart for God. It's also a desire to do the will of God. And yet the desire of holiness, it's itself a gift from God. Think about that. I love the plan God has for our lives. I hate how we mess it up so many times, how I mess it up so many times, and fall short of it. But I love the plan that he has and the way that he's just laid things out for us and given us a path, a way to walk into what he really truly wants us to be. Even though we were born into sin, there's a way we can walk it out. The next line says, to be set apart for you, Lord. What does it mean to be set apart? First Peter 2 and 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as, as Christians, we have been called to be set apart. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's been something I've been working on a lot lately. Renewing of the mind. It's, it's tough, but man, there's so much freedom in it. The term set apart means to come across as being, um, or sometimes it comes across as being a little bit better than or prideful maybe. And uh, we need to be careful with that because we're not set apart to be better than those around us who are, who are lost. Or, right? God set us apart for a greater purpose. It's not about looking different or being better than. It's about them recognizing Jesus in us. Acts 4, 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't about their training, their education. Because they were with God, people were amazed. Didn't say that they noticed they were different from the world. And that seems to be a lot of our mindset today, right? I hear so many people say it, or I pray to myself, God... I pray that they would see something different in me. But it's not about seeing something different in you. It's about them seeing the person who makes that difference. Because if all they see is that you're different, 
Well, different sometimes is not a good thing. You're different. But the fact that they can see Jesus in you, that's what we need to be pursuing. If we constantly try to look more like Christ, we are constantly reminded of his greatness coupled with his grace, and therefore humility will abound. We will be humble. We won't think or be proud, think that we're better than. But our hearts will be drawn to the lost, to the unholy. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? Set apart. John 17, 15, and 16, Jesus says, I do not pray that you should take them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That's not God's purpose to take us out of, but to keep us from sin so that, again, we may reflect him. Don't distance yourself from the secular crowd. I don't think you hear that too often from a pastor standing in the pulpit. But something that as a pastor, I've, I've felt that it's not a whole lot of things I don't like about what I do, but that's one thing I've often said that, man, I just wish I could be among the secular crowd more. You work in a church, you don't get to see a lot of unsaved people unless they walk through the door for food or something like that. And I've often said, well, maybe I should, you know, try to become a firefighter. I said that, but it's too much work. <laughs> Got to be in shape for that. Or join a team or do something so that I rub shoulders with guys that do not know the Lord, you know? And, I, and there's some of you that are sitting here that I've said that too, and you need to hold me accountable. I need to start plugging into some stuff like that. Not join a sports team, but do whatever it takes to start rubbing shoulders with people that don't know the Lord because we're the hope for the world. And so for me, if I stay in the church all my life, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I had, written, I had written here, it doesn't mean go to the club every weekend. But when we know who we are in Christ, we become the influencers then. At that point, we're not influenced, right? So we can rub shoulders with secular people, and it's not going to draw us down or make us forget who God is. Or Growing up, you know, it was often, my parents would often say that, you know, well, don't hang out with those guys, cause, and as a kid, I get that. But when you're 40 years and walking in the faith for that long, you ought to have some boldness. You ought to have some strong foundations so that, you know what, you can hang out with the unsaved and not become unsaved, but rub off on them. So I encourage you, wherever you work, wherever you play, all those people that are around you that don't know the Lord, that's your mission field, right? God's goal in setting us apart is not about taking us out of the world, but about him taking the world out of us. By pursuing Christ, the things of the world lose their grip on us. But by trying not to look like the world, oftentimes we just lose sight of Christ. It becomes a to-do, not-to-do list. He wants to conform us into his image, not distance us from the world. All right. The next line of that chorus is a big one. Because it says, Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart, but then I choose to be. It's a choice that we make this morning. Remember how we said earlier that in the refining process, you can choose to not allow it to happen. You're going to walk through it. You're going to walk through some stuff. But you can choose whether you come out the other side of it learning something and being refined or turning your back on God and, and walking the other way. 
As I was looking at this, I found out the truth, you know, all silver can't be refined. Some silver contains metals that can't be removed with fire. And the silver will refuse to let go of its impurities. And so then the silversmith it just tosses it aside. It's unable to be purified. And it says in Jeremiah 6.29, <clears throat> Jeremiah, the bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire. But the refining goes on in vain, and the wicked are not purged out. And here Jeremiah was called to speak to the nation of Israel in a time where they were in complete disobedience to God. They were living life their own way. They were worshiping other gods, right? seeking, um, seeking help from ungodly nations, just, just totally unholy in every way. And they were refusing to be refined. They chose the dross, it says in the word, or the junk over being made into the image of God to the world around them. It's our desire, or his desire to refine us. But church, it's our choice whether or not we choose to let it happen. We can do all the Christian things, right? We can come to church. We can worship. We can even read our Bible. We can pray. We can do good deeds, all of this stuff. But we can still step out of the process and refuse to let God refine us. To be silver that can't be refined, you have to make a choice to live in disobedience to God. You have to say no to the refining process, and you actually have to walk backwards in some ways and choose not to step towards Christ. Help us, God, not to do that, not to step away, but to step into it, to be ready to do your will. The last line. What is the will of the Father? What do you think the will of the Father is? If we look at Jesus' example, which is what we should always do, by the way, he only did what he saw the Father doing. It says in John 5 and 19, truly, truly, that's two trulys, Truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. We will see the will of the Father played out through Jesus' life as we draw close to him. Whatever Jesus was doing is what the will of the Father was, and you know what? It still is today. And that was restoration of people. It was healing, miracles, salvation of people, loving people unconditionally with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was about when he was on this earth. And that's what we ought to be about. It's not about this. This is such a small part of our Christian walk is coming together like this. But it's being out there. It's being the hands and feet of God. Being a disciple of Jesus is immeasurable, or sorry, inseparable from doing the will of the Father. His will his intent has always been connection with him and work for him. Let me close with this. True faith in Christ. This is a quote that I saw. True faith in Christ inevitably produces great work for Christ. Not works fueled by the flesh in an attempt to earn our way to God, but works fueled by faith in a life that is abandoned to God. And all of it, all of it is by grace. 
The basis of our salvation, which is Christ, is a gracious gift from God. The means of our salvation, faith, it's a gift from God. And the fruit of our salvation, which is work, is definitely a gracious gift from God. And in this way, the one who gives the grace, you know what? Ultimately, he gets the glory. And that's what it's all about. The gospel saves us to work. And we need to walk out our lives through the good and the bad, being refined so that we can reflect the image of God. And the lost world around us can see Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want people to see Jesus in me. I don't want people to know I'm part of a church or I come to glad tidings. I want them to see Jesus in me. When I'm in the traffic, somebody cuts me off. I struggle with that, man. I'm very quick to, yeah. But you know what? Even in that, even in that, we need to, be show, we need to show Jesus. Uh, I don't have Facebook, but I creep my wife's Facebook sometimes. And uh, there was a girl on there saying how in the line at Tim Horton, some lady behind her was just furious because she hadn't, you know, car ahead of her moved, and for whatever reason, she was on her phone, I guess, and she didn't move right away, so the lady behind her just flipped out. And she said, I just wanted to get out and go back to her and whatever, give her a piece of my mind. She said, but I didn't. I went, I pulled up, I ordered, and I paid for her order. I didn't say anything to her. I didn't blow my horn at her. I didn't lift her off. I paid for her order. And uh, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. That's what we need to be like, right? I can't open my phone. Never mind. I was going to read it to you, but I won't. But that's the way we need to live our lives, in the big and in the small. God, use me. Refine me. Help me to be set apart. Help me to look more like you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you're here with us, that we can sense you in this room. And Lord, we thank you today for the path you have set out for our lives. And Lord, I pray today, don't let me refuse the refinement of your holy fire. I want to be more like you. Help me, Lord, to be made into silver that will reflect you. And the daily struggles that I go through, the valleys I walk through, Father, I pray that they would not be in vain. But help me to see them, Lord, as an opportunity. An opportunity for you to work in my life. And church, this morning, if this resonates with you, I... I trust that it did. You want to walk boldly into the refining process? Just repeat this after me this morning. Lord, I don't want to walk away from the heat. I don't want to take myself out of the growth process. I don't want to hang on to the dross and impurities and other junk. Lord, I want to choose the refining fire in my life today. And even though it's hard, I choose growth. I choose to be refined. I 
I choose obedience. And I choose to let every situation of life guide me closer to the image of Christ. Amen. The team's going to come back. They're going to sing this song again. I think maybe some of us will sing it a little differently this time. And we're not going to dismiss you. You're free to go. Enjoy your day. But I believe there's some of us this morning that just need to take a little bit of time to maybe even come to the altar and say, God, even though the message was simple this morning, I truly need you to help me to walk through this process of being refined, the process of life itself. And so we're going to open the altars. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, as we talked about, this is a great morning to start that journey towards Him. Because you know what? Like I said earlier, you're going to go through stuff. You're going to go through it. I'm going to go through it. We're going through it right now. But the difference is with Christ is that He will sit there and He will watch you. And He will hold you close. He won't let you burn up. He will refine you. So today is a great day to start that step towards him. And if you want to give your life to Christ, there's people here that would love to pray with you. Why leave today without Christ? You already took the biggest step. You came to church. You sat and you felt his presence. But you need to say, Lord, be Lord of my life. So if you want to do that this morning, altar team, would you come? The people that are standing at the front, they would just come and they will love to pray with you, lead you to Christ. For those of us that just need to spend some time saying, God, help me, help me in the refining process of life, the struggle I'm in right now, help me to see it, Lord, as an opportunity to draw closer to you and to reflect you more, then you can come as well. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week.